Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Creek Adventures podcast. We are back with another fantastic guest. And after a couple of weeks of good fishing and a whole lot of rain, we've got a ton to talk about. The Creek Adventures podcast is pleased to welcome our new title sponsor, Maxon Inflatable Boats. They've been around for over 25 years, providing inflatable boats for whitewater rafting, uh, fishing, and all sorts of other outdoor activities. Chris is going to fill you in on that here in a little bit. And as always, the Creek Adventures podcast is uh, uh, presented by our good friends at Lone Bison Fly Tying Tables. That's LoneBisonFlyTables.com, premium quality functional art. Tonight's guest is from P2 Fly Rods, or P Squared, Philip Pearsall. And we're excited to talk about uh, the world of, of fly rod design. But Chris Dalton, my, my, my homies, what's going on in y'all's world? What's up, man? <laughs> what up? I, uh, you know, every time you you announce us now, I is is compared to uh, your statement about being the best looking guys you know in the whole world or whatever you said. I'm I'm going to keep making that more exaggerated, but so anything you say now falls short of that um, awesomeness that uh, made me blush. So. Well, that's unfortunately we get uglier and uglier. So I think we've peaked <laughs> and now we're on the downward trajectory. You know, another, gotta, th- another thing to make you blush, Chris, um, I just got um, a notified it's a cause for celebration tonight. We are celebrating our one year of Facebook friendship. You and I, yeah, I got the notification today with the funny little video and banner and, you know, all the annoying notifications to post to my friends that I've been friends with you for a year. I don't know if I want to tell people that, but. Uh, Dude, I would I would admit to it, but I, I'm now looking on Facebook to see if you did. We've okay. we've only been uh, social media. We've only been Facebook official. Facebook official for a year, man. Dude. Interesting. That's, uh, I, I feel like I've known you uh, at least a week longer than that. I know. It may have been a year and a week, to be exact. <laughs> Congrats to the honeymooners. I'm very, right? very happy oh, for that. I'm feeling, I'm feeling warm and cozy and it probably what's in my glass, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you credit for it. So, <laughs> kind of like Friendsgiving. Right? <laughs> we, hey, Early Friendsgiving. We had Friendsgiving plans last year that never happened. Like, you know, the whole dry turkey and uh, and the only way to do Thanksgiving, um, um, honey-baked ham. What? Hold Shapers. on. Are we going to do this again? We've had this debate once. Dude, I'll do it. We can't. No, ham. no. We need to get our... We, Final uh, word. Hold on real ham. quick, Philip, because this is going to decide if you if you can stay on this podcast or not. Okay. Um, Philip, how do you feel about Thanksgiving turkey? <laughs> I would really rather eat something else. Come on. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking oh, about. Oh my goodness. You guys, I think way. you guys has just never had good turkey. And it's I it's thought possible. you were a ham guy, Trevor. Did no, I, get I hate ham. Chris is the ham guy? Oh, Chris yeah. is the ham guy. Okay. Schaefer's spiral cut, honey glazed, smoked ham is the money. That's the ham deal. It just makes know? me thirsty. We just eat steak in Texas. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's 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 doing it right. That's what we do. He we wins. do, uh, we do prime rib. We do prime rib for uh, yeah. for Christmas. That's because there you honest. go, Trevor. Yeah, yeah guys, yeah. you guys are are listening to the dulcet tones of Mister Philip Pearsall uh, from P Two Fly Rods. Philip, thanks so much for joining us, man. I'm I'm super stoked to talk about uh, talk about your fly rods. 
Oh, you're welcome. It's it's been a long time coming. I know we've had uh, some some issues or some trips, and I know Chris has been out there catching some good fish. So I'm happy to kind of wait my turn and get in, and and uh, pretty excited to be here. Well, so what, and- what Philip's not saying is we've rescheduled him about 17 times now, <laughs> and I feel absolutely horrible about it. And uh, it just with the things going on and his schedule and our schedule, and mostly our schedule, um, he is. Um, decided he would still come come visit us on the podcast and uh, and hadn't hadn't completely counted us out so I, I appreciate you for that oh you all are awesome appreciate chris, it chris that was a very nice way of saying us instead of saying yeah trevor's got 14 jobs and uh he he's the reason that we keep uh oh it's been dude it's it's been like it's like if, if you talk about a comedy of errors trying to get philip on here um <laughs> i mean it's been a hot damn mess and so i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for for this day so yes so philip you're in the ho- you live in the hotel life um I, yes. I can relate to that where you at man uh right now i'm in sonoma sonoma california at no the, kidding uh, marriott no mm-hmm. kidding. I was out there. Uh, so I, uh, I shoot motorsports. I was just out at Sonoma just, uh, just a couple of years ago, um, shooting a race out there. I also announce equestrian events. So that's what I'm doing for the next two weeks. All right, man. Yep. That's, that's awesome. So how'd you, how'd you get into, uh, making fly rods? So I'm in with a pretty good group. If, if you look on Facebook, you'll see the Collin County, uh, fly fishers club. And so a really good friend of mine, and they all tie flies. Uh, one of my really good friends, Kevin Grogan, uh, we we go on a lot of trips together. And we were coming back from a, a trip on the flats in Corpus Christi. And uh, he said, you don't tie flies. And I said, there's no need to. Everybody else does. And, you know, the hatch changes or the season changes. And I'm just not going to spend my money. He said, well, if you're going to be a part of this group, and he was, you know, halfway kidding, he said, you you should build rods. And I said, okay. And so I watched a video on it and it was really intriguing. And uh, so I, I got my first kit and uh, built my first rod and, and just fell in love with it. And, and my first rod, I call my mistake rod because I wanted to do all my mistakes and get it out of the way. And I actually gave it to my daughter. And then later on, I asked her if she wanted me to build her a better rod. She goes, no, because when you die, that'll be worth a lot of money. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so so that was a direct comparison. Sorry to interrupt your story, but that's a direct comparison to uh, wives. So the first wife it could be considered a, a, a mistake wife or a, a learning curve, right? Um, right. But somehow still gets rich when you die. Okay, yeah. sorry. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say I've had practice with that one, but there'll be some rich women or. Some- <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I can share some debt, whatever. Okay. Sorry. Your story, man. There there you go. But no, that that's, that's basically how, um, how I got into it. And then I've, I've joined, um, you know, there's Facebook groups for everything and really met some really good builders, uh, all over the the U S and, and even some, uh, that are in, uh, Denmark and, and, you know, Europe and places like that for, for different, you know, things, a lot of uh, the people that I talk to over there are more in for distance casting competitions and, and things like that. So, okay. you know, I've, I've had a lot of good mentors uh, just to kind of tell me, you know, why a rod does what it does or what it should do and why they use the components they should. And, and so kind of my ideology uh, on 
why and how I build rods is is pretty pretty special uh, to me. I think you have to set yourself kind of outside of the box because there's there's so many of us. I know it's not until you kind of dive into it do you find out how many builders there really are. So it's kind of one of those things. What's going to set you apart from the next guy? That's so wild because, and I'm so glad you. <laughs> I love what you said up front about there's too many fly tires in the world. Um, I'm one of them, and and mine are all terrible. Uh, so getting into getting into the the fly rod building um, aspect of of the sport and the industry, um, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a really cool, really cool, unbelievable. It's, I mean, I think it's awesome. I, I love it. Um, so well, I'm digging, I'm digging how you got into it on a dare. Essentially, you got essentially Kevin <laughs> called you out, right? Yeah, and he did. So it wasn't, wasn't some sort of artistic muse, blah, 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 blah. Like dude called you out. Your fishing buddy called you out and you had to, you had to contribute somehow. And so you, you started. Yeah. Building building yep. custom fly rods. And I think we want to get into uh, a little bit tonight on, uh, you know, the basics. I mean, not, not getting into the weeds, but the basics of, of why you choose certain components, butt sections, uh, um, guide spacing, what blank you start on all, all of that stuff. How many, you know, 1400 coats of epoxy you need. <laughs> uh, but I think my very first question up front, and I'm going to ask it now because I'll forget later. So if this screws <laughs> up the tempo of a podcast, does, knowing how to build a rod and not just knowing how to put one together, but knowing how to build one and understanding the blanks and all that, does it make you a better caster? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nothing but honesty folks. That's what we know. No, no. Uh, I'll tell you, you know, I mean, we all know Rex and, and of course, Kevin's pretty good. So, you know, here, here lately, I finally got to get out the other day and, and do a little bass fishing. Um, but you know, every time I go out, I, I always try out a rod I build. I'm, I make sure it does what I want it to do. Um, but yeah, I always have to kind of go back to the basics and, and make sure that I'm doing what I need to do. So, you know, when I get back around those guys, I don't, I don't make a, a mockery of myself and I can <laughs> at least, you know, get it out there 10 or 20 feet. <laughs> so, okay. So I'm, so I'm, ex- I'm over here expecting like this scientific, I need to make sure I've taken out all of the, I've controlled all the variables. I've taken out any, uh, uh, you know, things that would, would adjust the way it casts. And, and uh, so I can really give a, a scientific approach to, uh, to the quality of the build and, and right. it really comes down to, man, I want to make sure I can, get, I can cast that thing 20 foot accurate. So I don't uh, look like an ass. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I love it. Granted, I do build the rod efficiently and it does help a little bit, but if you can't cast, you, you can't cast. Oh, you can, you can put an H3 in idiot's hand and, and they'll look good and, and right. you know, really cast. Right. I'm with you, but, uh, yeah. well, and I want to say this, um, uh, cosmetically, the rods I've seen you build are absolutely gorgeous. And uh, a fly rod is a tool, right? So, I mean, uh, gorgeous only goes so far. It but, does. Um, but the, they've got to be functional. And I happen to know some of the blanks that you use, you know. 
Um, take us through, if you don't mind, and Trevor, if I'm getting off key, man, just just tell me to shut up. You um, are nailing it, man. Uh, ooh, that sounds good. Um, t- take us through kind of your your selection process. I mean, start to finish, uh, not necessarily the weeds of I, I do this coat of epoxy over 37 right. seconds, but I mean, how do, how do you... Um, how do you, for a certain build, select a blank and then start selecting components? You know, I've, I've worked with a lot of blanks and I, w- I will say that I've worked with more glass than I have carbon blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I know the different glass blanks and I, and I know the carbon blanks that I like too. So it just depends on what, uh, what you're going to use it for. Are you going to use it for trout? Are you going to use it for bass? Are you going to go salt water? You know, is it going to be used by an adult? Is it going to be used by a child? That's kind of how I pick the blank. Um, You know, and and then you go through your color selection and and glass does offer more colors. Uh, And and you were talking about gorgeous rods. And and I'll tell you, the thing about it is, to me, a, a rod, especially a fly rod that's built by a manufacturer, it doesn't matter who it is. They're either green, black, or brown, and it's all black thread. And it really doesn't look good. You know, so so my whole thing, first of all, is like on your stripper guide and, you know, your, your double-footed guides, your first three or first two, is you can play with the th- thread work and the rod's got to look good because if you present it um, and, and you're not there or it's you're at a show or something, people eat with their eyes and that's the first thing they're going to see. And then they're going to pick it up and see what you've done when you cast it, but they've got to want to pick that rod up first. You know, you just made a, a cooler reference that I, I can't not tee on is, is people eat with their eyes. So do fish. If you've ever, ever seen a, you know, cleaned a trout or, or another type of fish, the amount of crap that ends in their stomach because they they don't have hands to pick something up, try it. Oh, I like the texture of this stick or this egg fly or whatever. Um, they they put it in their mouth and uh, um, same. Okay, sorry, it's a fishing podcast. I got I got to throw out what little bits of knowledge I know. Okay. Hey, real quick, Philip, let me ask you this: the just for terminology for for dinguses like me, what's a blank? So so a blank is going to be. Uh, you can get them in anywhere from two piece, three piece, four piece on, on bass rods, one, one piece. It's just that piece of carbon or piece of glass. That's just a stick. Doesn't come with anything on it. It's just a bare, bare rod. Yeah. Now, and, and just slightly more specific than that, the blanks you choose will have the taper built in already. And they will have the ferrules if they're multiple piece rods. Right. Uh, Right. But not um, so it's not just not just a a round stick. I mean, if you buy a blank, you've got the performance. So you have to make and I say that you have to make the selection ahead of time based on somebody else's design um, for how that rod's going to operate at its core now you have tons of other input on how to how to tweak that rod with guide spacing and pieces right materials for the guides what and i'm talking about stuff i don't actually know but um you don't have to shave one down no but you have to make the right decision 
which right. is almost more scary to me than shaping one yourself, <laughs> shaping one right for the right bend. So, well, and it, it comes down to I think three three main things is number one, what what is the rod going to be used for? Mm-hmm. How tall the person is, and what the person's arm length is. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You're telling I mean, me I, I, I need always, to take like, measurements. I look at it because <laughs> when I build, when I build you a rod, that that is your that's your rod, and I want it to work as efficiently as possible for you. If you hand it to somebody else, it may not work as efficiently for them, but it will for you. Next time I go to a fly shop and if somebody doesn't like come out, like I'm getting a suit tailored and like start measuring <laughs> my arms. Now it's going to get real weird if they go into my end seam, but I don't know. It is what it is. I'm just saying I'm disappointed that that hasn't happened at a fly shop yet. Right. We need a sticker that somehow correlates somebody's end seam to the type of rod they need. There's, there's, there's a story there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I've never heard of a personally fitted or select, I mean, personally selected design of a fly rod. That's a, that's a really interesting concept. Um, uh, and I, I, mean, I dig it. Yeah. So do you have like your standard like set um, six foot for somebody, seven, six, eight foot, nine foot? Or do you get down into the weeds of like, eight and three quarters or eight and five sixteenths, whatever, if that's even the fraction. Well, well I, I, I will on it. Like I said, it depends on what you're going to go fish. Like if you're fishing in saltwater or the flats where you have a guide that is sitting here, you know, cast at two o'clock, no, pull it back, cast, cast now at one, you know, or you just can't cast and, or it's windy or something like that. And, and normally, and, and I'll tell you why, is because mostly when you put in your mathematical formulas for uh, where you're going to put your guides on the rod, whether if the rod's a nine-foot rod or eight-six or whatever it is, it, it just depends. But uh, most from, from the butt end of your stripper guide is 25 inches. Now, now for me, and this is where your arm length comes in and your height comes in and what you're going to use it for. So if, if I know you're going to be pulling up a long way, like you're on the flats, I'll put your stripper guide at 33 or, or 30 inches, depending, because when he says, when, when the guide says, you know, cast at one, and the fish has already moved or pull it up. Now you've got to pull it up quick because that fish isn't going to be there. And so I'm going to set that stripper guide where I know that you can grab that line and pull it back. And it's going to work efficiently to do that. And, and I will say this, most glass, even if they say it's, it's fast, it's, it's going to be moderate fast or medium fast. There's never really any, fast, fast glass. Now carbon's a different story, or you get on an H3 or something like that, but you want it to be as efficient as possible to present it to that fish so that you have a, a better chance or a bigger percentage of catching that, what, what you're casting at. So you're, you're not adjusting rod length if you're no. fitted to somebody, but you're actually adjusting per their size, per their use right the guide spacing and in this instance specifically the first stripper guide 
so that if I'm, let's say I take that shot to a redfish, it's, it's now moved on or slightly spooked, but still castable that I can reach up to that stripper guide, pull back that several feet of line as I'm back casting. I've got a single hull back cast, but a really big one because I can grab more line. Right. Then present it back to the fish with just that one false cast and put it back on. Correct. That's a Correct. badass. That's a badass theory. And, and, and the way I do that is usually at a nine foot rod, you have 10, you have 10 guides. And so I will, um, I will kind of calculate off the seventh guide because then I can place the last two strippers where I need them. And so if I when, had a nickel, right, right. <laughs> so, but, but the coolest thing is, is so when you were talking about presentation and how they look and the gorgeous rods, you'll see, let's, let's just say, for instance, I use uh, a, a gold thread wrap with a, uh, a, a silver, you know, middle wrap or something like that, where you just see one silver. Well, when you get up to the seventh guide, you know which one I've calculated off because now that's going to be a silver thread wrap with a golden, you know, mid wrap in there. And so you'll know, okay, he calculated off the seventh guide. And and the other thing I do is like for my, my trim wraps or whatever, uh, unless, you know, you get up there into the 12 weights or whatever, but I try to always wrap my threads or there's some calculation. If it's a six weight, I'm going to use six thread wraps for the trim guy. You know, if, if it's something, so you can always like, there'll be three lines in there on, on both sides. So it adds up to six. So, you know, that that rod, if it lost whatever, and that's just something I do, but you know, it's a six weight. That's that the, the magic behind the, the mojo. So, yeah. so that, that's, yeah. uh, I'm going to listen back to this episode to, to actually try to do some math and go look at some of your rods online. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, the, it's, it's funny. The hardest part for me is figuring out color combinations. <laughs> okay. Tell me you're colorblind, please. Cause that, that makes a fantastic story. No, no, I'm not colored. Okay, fine. Okay. <laughs> you hear that? Chris is actively disappointed that somebody on our podcast doesn't have a disability. Oh, I'm pigeon-toed. Dude, we just... Well, oh, there okay. we go. There we go. All right, you just made his day. <laughs> there we go. Somebody bring the cancel culture, because I'm sure that's a, you know... We just, we just got a new title sponsor that I'm going to elaborate on later, and then we just got, you know, like, uh, cancel cultured on pigeon-toe awareness or something. I, I love that. I love that philosophy, man, of, of you eat with your eyes, because when I got first got into the sport, I didn't know what one rod would do, what one reel would do, but I knew color combos and I, that's literally how I selected my gear. Um, yeah. and, and so I think that's an interesting philosophy. One of those things that you said sets you, sets you apart, you know, in the rod building world. Well, if you look at it, like a, a lot of people don't know wine. So if, if you want to impress somebody, the thing about it is, and here, here's the way I look at it because I don't know wine that well either. Uh, but what I do know is if I go to uh, a wine shop or a wine store, I will look for if I want a cab or, or whatever, Sauvignon Blanc, but I will look at the label and the, the winery or the vineyard that took the time to create the best label they could 
that is appealing to your eye, you know that they took the time and the grapes to make the wine. Man, I have bought so many bottles of wine and so many beers that just have you were buying badass. What's that? You were buying Thunderbird. <laughs> Thunderbird will do just fine. <laughs> just, just badass labels, man. Oh, I, yeah. Uh, Works every time. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, man, so, so, um, Tell us, tell me about, uh, you know, cause, cause the next thing I see past thread wraps and, um, you know, the color of the blank and, and whatnot, um, is, is a, a fancy real seat, um, or, and, or fight. I'm a, I'm a big fighting butt fan. Like, yeah. I wanna, like if you got a, uh, just really sexy cork and bell shaped fighting butt, sit surrounding a, a a pretty slick looking real seat i get excited about that is are there are there functionality things that go with that minus minus the half wells full wells type setup but like the the right. type of cork I, I, well you you want to use the best grade cork you can because if you use uh, a subpar cork it's going to have a lot of holes in it it's going to have a lot of you know it's not going to be as dense and so then you have to fill it in with with basically what it is, cork filler, which is a fancy name for wood glue, um, you know, <laughs> and stuff like that. So you buy the best cork you can. And and that's another thing where it's appealing to the eye because, you know, people see that. Plus, I, I will um, treat my cork. Uh, I'll, I'll put a sealer on it. Uh, and, and you really only have to do that for salt water, but it does extend the life of the cork. Uh, a lot. It makes it a little bit darker, but I think it it really protects the cork. Uh, real seats, uh, there again, what are you going to use it for? Uh, I try to always use, um, you know, stuff that's going to hold up in salt water, even especially in Texas, because even if somebody says, well, I'm just fishing the local lakes, they're going to go down to Corpus and try to use it you know, if it's six weight or above on the, on the flats. So I, I try to make sure that all my components are, are, uh, salt water, you know, rated, you know, unless I'm doing a little three or four weight and, and, you know, it's just going to be used for, for pan fish or something like that. Now you're talking to a group here, especially Dalton that, uh, um, I think he's, he's somehow looking for somebody to make him a negative two weight, uh, for sunfish and, uh, you know, dry fly sunfish fishing and, and he would be successful at it. I mean, I, I, I I'm convinced that. those are the only fish I can catch now. I really am. I've, I've been skunked for so long, but I can go and I can go and find a three inch green sunfish. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Dude, sunfish I, sent, are awesome. I gave you a gift last night that, that validates that you can catch chunky smallmouth. Right. <laughs> There, there that was go. an anomaly. That was once this year. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling defeated. That's early spring, and we've got lots and mm-hmm. lots of summer to to catch. We got lots of year. I, I, oh, I'm yeah. going to quit. I'm actually going to quit calling it spring, summer, fall, and and I am bound to. We'll, we'll get into this later, but I'm bound to fish all winter long for smallmouth. Mm-hmm. Whoever whoever will ride <laughs> with me, we're going to do it. I, I'm going to make it a two year commitment two winter commitment uh, that we're going to be out there. Cause there's, I mean, you know, we can, let's either, go. We can do that. Let's go. Yeah. Let's yeah go. And let's actually go. the first time I left, I met Philip, we were, uh, was at this, this last falls, uh, small math rendezvous. We all got out and fished the day before. Yep. And um, 
uh, and it was it was an absolute blast. It was. And and I actually I I I have to in hindsight, if these guys are your kind of cool chill personality, then then I am more Kevin, a little out there and eccentric. Yeah. Although I think he's <laughs> I think he's more than me. But uh, uh, but yeah. Yeah. So. No, it's good. You know, uh, another thing too about about rod building, and this comes with. Uh, I guess somebody who is more progressive thinking uh, than a traditionalist. And, and this is why you see a lot more snake guides on, on fly rods is because people who are more traditionalist will look at a single foot guide as opposed to a rod that has snake guides on it. And they'll buy the one with snake guides because that's just how it's been. But for casting efficiency, and if you look at all the, the distance casting champions, or when you get into a competition, they use the single foot guides or, you know, and, and so that's kind of uh, a mythology that, that snake guides are, are more efficient. Now, I will say that snake guides in the wintertime uh, will do a lot better because they don't ice up as much. Uh, so, so it's good there, but if you're really trying to get out there, you know, on the salt water and I'm a huge salt water fan, um, more, more so than anything else. Um, but just because I like to hunt and cast, but, uh, efficiency for casting, uh, for me. So you'll see a lot, a lot of my rods will be that single, single foot, uh, ring guide as opposed to snake guides. Okay, so so real quick, and I'm sorry, uh, Trevor and Dalton, if I'm talking too much like normal. Um, Your Chris is here, man. Good Chris is fired up. No, I get nerded out, man. You know that. Uh, but I love it. So I, I saw a rod this last year um, that was – it had to have 30 guides on it on a nine-foot fly rod. And, and I'm, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. And they were mostly, so you had a, a snake guide at the beginning. Um, and maybe had a, a big single foot, but then a snake guide or double foot and then a snake guide. And then, but then it had like just this row of small single foot uh, for the listeners, full, you know, full circle, kind of like a bait caster type rod, just all the way down it. And my, my initial thought was like, man, that's a ton of friction points. Yeah. But I think what think what I'm hearing from you, and maybe that's an exaggeration, but maybe what I'm hearing for you is that the what I would consider friction points actually steers the line better than snake guides. So steers it in a straighter line going out the rod for well, more. You distance. have less line slap against your rod. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly that. Yeah. Now, I don't know about a whole lot of guides. I don't see where that's conducive to, to casting because basically the formula is, you know, if your rod's uh, nine foot, you, you put one more guide on it than, than what it is. If it's, you know, even if it's eight, six, I only use nine. I'll only use nine guides. Interesting. So, okay. You know, it's, it's so, so that's kind of the formula that everybody follows. So if I if I have a nine foot rod, it should have ten total guides on it. It should have ten total guides. I'm looking in the corner at, over here. To, at at uh, the <laughs> most, at the most, yes. Okay. So I'm looking at a, an eight foot rod on my wall here, or nine foot eight weight. One, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So nine foot rod, one more, ten. Okay. I believe you. I believe you. I believed you to start with, but I <laughs> it was a fun exercise. There, there are people, there, there are uh, four listeners. Our total listening group are now looking at their fly rods laying in the corner or, or rushing home to count the guides on their fly rods to see if it's accurate. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> well, man, what, uh, okay. So we've, we've uh, selected components. You've, you've um, installed the butt section, the cork, the, the gorgeous mm -hmm. fighting, butt. Uh, 10, 10 guides in the appropriate spacing based on the, the user and the use on a nine foot rod. Um, you've chosen your thread wrap colors to match the blank. Everything is just like looking sexy and it's epoxy time now. Is that, is that the final step? Yeah. Epoxy is the final step. Mm -hmm. That, that stresses me out. How, how. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. It stressed me out. Like, like the first one was my mistake rod. So there, there's two ways you can seal thread wraps. You can either use epoxy or varnish. And so when you use varnish, it takes, it takes a lot longer because the drying time uh, is not hours. It's, it's more like, you know, days before everything. And uh, it's, it's, I'm not going to say messier, uh, but if you don't know how to do it, it, it is a lot of uh, bamboo rods are, you know, done in varnish just because that's a traditional way. And when people restore a bamboo rod, they want to bring it back like it was. Um, but then, but then my second rod, I started using epoxy and I was like, Oh, this is great. I can do it. Uh, you just, for, for me, uh, there's a lot of guys that use uh, two, um, I guess two, two layers of, of epoxy, you let it dry for 24 hours, then you put your second layer on. Uh, the way I like to do it personally is I will use three thin layers. Uh, what that does for me is, is number one, I can control the air in, in my wraps a lot better. And I also wet sand a little bit. I don't think a lot of other people do that. Uh, but I do, uh, just because if there's a bubble or if there's something, you know, I can, I can wet sand a little bit. And so I've really got that technique down. Uh, and then once that first, I just want enough to kind of cover or, or just kind of come even with the thread. So it soaks in underneath around the feet and everything. And, and so it really sets up nice underneath that thread. And then I'll let that sit for 24 hours. And then my second one is another thin layer and and the third is the same thing and what that also does if if you've looked uh and and you get that footballing effect with the epoxy and and you've looked at a guide where you can tell it's been slapped on by somebody in a factory hey we need to get these 50 rods out and and it just kind of looks you know hey okay somebody in a factory did it and really didn't take their time with with mine i want people to also look at it oh it's a it's a flat um you know, it's, it's a flat wrap. It doesn't have that footballing effect. And, you know, just, it looks like somebody took their time and really took, took some, some care in doing, in doing it. And that's what I want people to see is because I, I do sit at my, my rod bench and, and I put a lot of uh, TLC in, in my builds, you know. So, so when you do epoxy, 
you're you're doing the entire entire rod, right? Well, is that accurate? Or just the thread wrap section. Well, you're also doing like where I have I have my my sticker that I put on there, and mm -hmm. then the thread wraps, and and you do all the guides. So if you do any thread work anywhere else, you always want to put epoxy over your threads. Now I will say this on on a saltwater rod, um, I will epoxy uh, the front of the cork handle, um, not the whole thing, just the uh, where it's around the winding check. Uh, because I know you're going out on salt and I will do like the the quarter because you want to keep it as light as possible and and but I will do like the end of the fighting butt too just just in case now there was one six weight that I did but I had an actual wine cork as a fighting butt I think I showed you that picture and I epoxied all of that just so that the wine cork wouldn't fall apart you know but but that's but that's how I kind of do my epoxy. Nice, man. Yeah, I'd awesome. like to see that wine wine cork fighting butt. That'd be cool. So, uh, so what tools does someone need to to get started in building their first mistake rod? Well, you really don't need that much. I mean, you can go on mudhole.com or getbit.com, and those are kind of the two big uh, websites uh, that we use to get our components. There, there, There's others as well, but these are kind of the two of the big box stores that are really good. Um, but, but really, um, you can use a cardboard box, uh, poke some holes in it. You can use a book for tension, uh, a spool of thread, and, and you can start. You really don't need that much. Now, I will say when you're applying epoxy, uh, it is nice to have, have something uh, that spins your rod because I think that's what really kind of lays it on there uh, nice. I've actually got a flex coat rod wrapper uh, and finisher. So I've got a motor that can go up to, I think it's a little bit over 200 RPMs. Uh, so when it's spinning, and I usually set it about 120, when I'm applying the epoxy and stuff like that, because, uh, and then you set it down low uh, to about 10 or five RPMs when, when it's just kind of spinning, because you've got to keep, keep that rod spinning so that the epoxy stays even as it dries. If you don't have that about every, you know, every five minutes starting out, you want to kind of roll that rod a little bit. And then 15, uh, when it gets time, about every 15 minutes for the next four hours and then probably every 30 minutes for the next two and and by six you should be good but that's a lot of you know that's that's like uh barbecuing meat and not having right <laughs> yeah so it sounds like you it's similar to a lot of the aspects of this sport you know you can go as crazy with it as you want or you can get into it as simple as you want with you know some some thread and some fuzz on a hook and a you know the right. cheapest fly rod you can find. So that, that's yeah. kind of inspiring for somebody to get into it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of neat to, to look at the other builders out there and, and, and see where they take it because everybody has, you know, different techniques and, and a different eye for, for what they're using. Um, but, but I really like to keep, keep what I do. Um, I, I like it to be aesthetically just, I mean, eye catching, but like I said, efficient, 
but I don't like to add a lot of weight or unnecessary um, things that you don't need to the rod because, you know, um, that's why they have the blank and everything like that. They, they built all that into it and I don't think it really needs a lot. You know, I'm, I will say I'm, I'm lucky enough uh, to have, um, I, I really kind of came into uh, one person, his name is Paul Griffith, and uh, he has rodseek.com. He just started that uh, earlier this year or the end of last year. And so he asked me to be one of the builders on, on his website. So he has a list of builders and does a lot. Uh, and I just, uh, in Plano, Texas, there's a fly shop that just opened up in Plano uh, called Dirty Water Fly Company. Uh, Dan uh, Soltau is, is the owner and very knowledgeable on flies and everything else. And I showed him a couple of my rods and he said, hey, I want to carry them in my store. So I now actually have a storefront uh, where my rods are at and people can go in there and, and, and awesome, buy my man. rods. And they're not in my closet and, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, not, not taking up space. And, and, and so that part of it's good. Uh, but it's it's always a good thing to have have some outlets. So I've I've really uh, gotten lucky and gotten in with some good guys. Uh, Chris has has been really helpful on on some of the blanks and and just some uh, things that I've needed. And and so it's it's really a great community. I mean the fly the fly fishing community as a whole is to me it's a brotherhood. And it doesn't matter if you just fish. If, if you're a guide, if you tie flies, if, if you tie good or bad, it doesn't matter. Or if you're whatever you're doing, I've had so many great people uh, to, to, I couldn't thank them all here, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. That's awesome, man. That's, that's really cool. Well, I'd, I'd be remiss. We're talking about all the fishing technology and all the gear. Philip, what do you like to fish for, man? What's, what's, What's your game of choice? <laughs> so, so here's what I like to fish for. I like to go, I, I like to hit the salt water, uh, or I like to bass fish because you're actually hunting the fish, you know, or it, it doesn't matter. Trout to me, and I'm probably going to get a lot of uh, hate mail for this, but trout are stupid. Trout, trout are stupid <laughs> because they sit, they sit behind, they sit in a line and foam is home. So if you catch one, you throw it right back and the next one in line comes up and it's like fishing with a cane pole. And, okay. and so to me, I, I don't build rods to be, you know, old man river out there, you know, sitting, sitting on the, under the tree fishing with a bobber, you know, I mean, yeah. I'm going to get out there and hunt. They're just okay. waiting for something to hit them in the face, man. <laughs> that, 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 well, like when it, you know, Chris talked about earlier when we were on the Illinois and we were fishing those mean mouths, those, you know, you had to sit there and, and cast and, and know what was going on, uh, you know, and, and so any, any game fish that's going to give you uh, a, a battle because that's, that's sport, you know, uh, when it's not sport, it's just, uh, okay, what am I doing? Now, admittedly, I have not fished for trout that are, you know, wild or native trout that are stupid. Sea. Well, I guess white, white river trout can get a little smarter, but I, I agree a thousand percent. Stalker trout 
can become just flat mind numbing. And, and I want, I want a predator fish that I can piss off and they eat and they fight and a thousand percent agree, man. Thousand percent. So, yeah. But you know, the, the best thing about it is, is, is the people you meet and, you know, uh, there's, there's never a bad day of fishing. So, you know, if, if I go out and, and it's funny or, or you get out fished or I think sometimes Kevin's bad luck for me, uh, because he'll catch all the fish and I won't, uh, but, but, you know, good on him, but it's great because we've got the camaraderie and just like when we went to the, uh, you know, the lower Illinois that time and, and, uh, got to meet everybody. It's just, it's pretty cool. So to me, it's, it's all about the adventure. Uh, a lot of it. Absolutely. You coming, you coming back this year for the Illinois river rendezvous? If, if I'm, if I'm here, you bet I'll be there. Sweet, man. Nice. Nice. Okay. So man, um, Obviously, they can find you at uh, um, what? What are your social handles? P two. So you can find me on Instagram at P Pearsall, um, Philip Pearsall on Facebook. That's where I post a lot of my pictures uh, for my fly rods. I, I don't have uh, a website per se, just because um, I'm I'm always busy. So and most people. And most younger people are going to the Instagram anyway, uh, looking at that. And plus, I've got it in a store. Uh, I would rather give, you know, go to dirtywaterflyco.com and and look at the store and go in there and and buy one. And and Dan's got some great fly tying uh, material. It, it's it's a true fly fishing store. It's you know for for the angler. Um, it's not just, you know, a big box store that you're selling clothes and trying to sell brand names. You're going to get in there and, and get something to fish with. Um, you know, go to go to Rod Seek if you want a custom rod, whether it's for me or or one of the builders on on the website that Paul has. But uh, to, to find me, that that's kind of where you can find me. Awesome. Man. Or you can just call me. Just call, just call the dude, man. Just call him. Just call me. <laughs> Send him a Facebook message, a so, uh, an Instagram message. Um, just yeah. just just call him or uh, or what do you say? Dirtywaterflyco.com is is okay. dance store. Nice. Or you can just Google Dirty Water Fly Company. Nice. Now there is. I, I was. I honestly, I googled that before we talked, and there is a a closed shop in Montana. So we are talking about Plano, Texas, uh, not the Montana shop that apparently didn't make it. Uh, but check out Dan's store. Check out Phillips rods there. Uh, it's awesome all the way around, man. I, I learned some stuff, which makes me super excited. Um, and and I admittedly, I knew I was going to learn some stuff today, but I learned more than I thought, and I'm I'm I appreciate that. So. Um, for the listeners, before we before we let uh, Philip go, uh, you are another passion of yours uh, or employment uh, that you are an announcer and yes. an auctioneer. Yeah, I've, I've been an auctioneer for a long time. Okay, so so until we get these on YouTube, which I drop, I say that comment about once an episode. I'm not yeah, you trying have to, to send like, me the link as soon as you get it. 
I I'm a, as soon as Trevor. As soon as I have a space that is not so, Philip, just for perspective, I'm having a baby in July. And so all this back here behind me is right. all baby stuff. As soon as I have a clear space that I feel comfortable seeing my house, then we will get on YouTube. And the, oh, and no, so that's the, fine. I just need a link so I can promote everybody. Uh, we'll, oh yeah, we're gonna, look at that. Oh yeah, we're gonna. I'll do a. I'll do a, a post that that tells everybody where that the episode's out. We can share it. But uh, I've been I've been dogging on on Trevor every episode about getting these on YouTube, and it's almost one of those things where you keep asking, you keep asking, and then it finally goes on YouTube, and somebody logs in like. Those are some ugly son's guns, man. That's what I'm saying. I don't know I don't, if you want that, Chris. I don't ever want to see. I want. Mean, yeah, I don't know. Dalton's Dalton's got a little little stud action, but uh, <laughs> the other two of it's us are, are struggling. But uh, okay, so so the setup here, and and I can on Zoom right now. We're four boxes. Uh, they're right. probably not oriented quite the same way. But Trevor is buyer number one of an eight weight P2 custom fly rod built on a moonlit glass blank, sexy as hell rod. Dalton is buyer number two. You are the auctioneer, sir. All right. Sell my rod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we've got an eight weight rod here on a moonlit blank. Let me tell you, good looking in color, orange trim bands, blue thread wraps. We're going to get her done. I'd have it about here. I'd have it about 100. Have it about 100, 100, 200, 300. Have about there you go, 300. Thank you. I'd have it about 300. Hey, hey, Dalton, what are you going to do? I'd have it about, it's just like checkers. It's your turn. I'd have it about 300, 400. 315. What are we going to do? You're already in at three, sunshine. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you. 400, 500. Now you're out, Dalton. It's your turn. 500. 600 here. It happened about six, 600. Thank you, sir. Appreciate your business. 700, 800. 950. there. I have sold it your way, Dalton. 900. Yeah. Woo. You're All thinking long. You're thinking wrong, Trevor. <laughs> Holy crap! That, that was, was amazing. <laughs> what? Is I there couldn't like... remember what the opening bid was, so I I said three. I think it started a hundred bucks. It was a hundred. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For, um, for for the record, listeners, uh, you can yourself own a P2 custom fly rod for less than nine hundred fifty dollars. Um, but if you want to buy one, put it up for auction for charity. Um, you know, that's even, even better on you, but you can get one for less than that. But that was, that was awesome, man. That was fun. Oh, thank you. Beautiful. See Dalton, what, what Philip didn't tell you is you're on the hook for that 950 fly rod now. Official. Yeah. yeah. You notice I wasn't, but I wasn't bidding over here. I, I saw, yeah, I saw that. that was set up pre-podcast. We've been fleeced. Yeah. <laughs> So Philip, let me ask you real quick. Where did you did you go to school for that? Where'd you like at? So so you have to. Um, I kind of grew up in the in the livestock industry, and and uh, you know, family was was uh, had had the uh, livestock market and everything like that. And so, uh, kind of true story. Um, dad sold, and uh, I, I worked in the ring, and my brother was up, and he would run tickets in into the office. And one day my brother said, Hey, um, 
you know, I don't want to run tickets in the office anymore. I want to sit here and, and learn how to be an auctioneer. And he actually uh, said it a little different way to my dad. But when you're selling cattle at 30 seconds a lick or a little bit more, dad can't do anything. And so when we got home later that night, he said, okay, we're going to figure it out. Because the thing of it was dad would sit up there and sell for an hour. And then another auctioneer would come in, but he'd come in with a clean white shirt and drive a nice Cadillac or truck. And he would leave with a big wad of money in a clean white shirt and a nice car or truck. And, and so I'm like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. Dude, I got, awesome, man. I got to tell you, man, the pictures I've seen of you at these cattle events, whether you're just speaking or auctioneering or, or whatnot, dude looks good in a cowboy hat. <laughs> dude. Well, you know, and it's, it, it's harder to sell air than it is to sell something actual, you know, an actual product to actual people when you have that energy. But yeah, th thanks for the, the cowboy hat. I, uh, I, I personally, I have, um, uh, spent money on a new straw cowboy hat for this year's, uh, uh, summer season because I have a bald head and I need some some sun protection. But I am trying to normalize the true cowboy hat, not not one of these sun fit, you know sun hat right. deals, but a true cowboy hat with shorts and flip flops. I am going to normalize that this year in the oh, Oklahoma yeah. fishing industry. We are Wrong. the definition of all hat no cattle, by the way. Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> oh, oh, percent no cattle. <laughs> <laughs> that's badass thanks all right <laughs> well man philip this was a an absolute blast i i appreciate you uh humoring us with that last little bit that was, that was probably the most fun i'm gonna have all night that was pretty awesome it, it, it was great i appreciate all of you uh chris trevor and dalton appreciate you guys so much yes, philip, sir. you're the man we gotta come let's go fishing soon let's do it call me i'm good yep let's do it all right everybody philip pearsall thank you sir thank you all Take bye care. I'm merely here to say that that was neat. And now I bid you adieu. You guys are. Oh, that makes me so happy. That makes. So, so, you know, this podcast has people with real life things that have to happen and have to be done. And uh, uh, so we're going to lose Trevor here in just a second. Uh, Dal and I are going to talk about a little bit of, uh, you know, historic flooding and fishing and, uh, um, and that will end our night. But uh, yeah, for those um, that don't know, they let, they, they there's a school that in this state that's accredited that lets me teach people. Isn't that insane? I'm in charge of people's I, education. I've had worse teachers, man. <laughs> I would, I mean, to me, it's like, it's like if I got to go to school of rock with Jack black, I mean, that's what I picture. I love it. Do you I love know how it. many people, especially in my that hair. That's a perfect long? description. No, <laughs> All right, on that note, I'm out. You guys have fun. No, it's a it's a, it's a, it's a compliment, man. <laughs> I love me some Jack Black, but yeah, that will another conversation for the end of the day. You guys have fun. Dude, See you, buddy. Have a good evening. Talk soon, man. See you guys. So DW, DW Worthen, um, the man, the lit, the myth, the uh, air freshener. So yeah. So those I'm are smelling coconutty right now, man. Dude, did it smell good? It did a little overpowering with the new, with the 90 degree and humidity today, hot, hot nuts, uh, hot coconuts, soupy, soupy, soupy coconuts, man. <laughs> Dalton has hot nuts in his car. Um, mm -hmm. 
So for those of you that we're not sponsored by Dangle It, um, which just makes this conversation even worse, Dangle It Air Fresheners, um, we, we they have not yet sponsored the podcast, but um, uh, I had a little fun with a coupon code and uh, and made a, a Dalton Wortham fatty smallmouth uh, personalized coconut smelling air freshener uh, for his car, which is uh, that. that that was fun for me. I, I mean, I liked that. Oh, very fun. And the best part is my wife hadn't seen it yet. So when she gets on my car, she's probably going to have some choice words about it. <laughs> you know, uh, and you said yesterday that she doesn't like strong scents of any kind. Oh, no, uh, no. Um, I was gifted a drift. I'm, I'm gifted. I guess I stink. I've been gifted two air fresheners now. Mm. Um, yeah. so sorry, everybody that has to smell me, I guess. Um, but no, she hates air freshener stuff. So anytime she gets in my car, she just throws it to the back. That's funny, dude. That's, that's pretty awesome. I, uh, um, yeah. So, so really what's going to happen is, is I will get blamed for the pungent coconut smell that she hates so much, mm -hmm. uh, whenever she gets in your car next. Cool. Well, man, look, real quick before we get into, um, you know, our local, local stuff going on. Um, you know, I'm super excited to, to announce that we have a new title sponsor, uh, for the Creek adventures podcast, um, Maxon inflatable boats, um, has, has come aboard as our title sponsor of the podcast. Um, those of you that have, have followed us on social media, or if we've met in person or seen us on the river, um, know that our, our 13 foot raft, big blue, is a Maxon inflatable boat uh, with an aluminum rowing frame and an absolute um, awesome fishing platform. Uh, we've had it in uh, class two plus rapids. We've had it on the upper Illinois uh, over and over and over and over again uh, through, you know, an inch or two of water. I mean, it drafts super shallow uh, through uh, rocky sections, through uh, lots of stand up wood, and um, I think Dalton, you've called it the Bentley uh, raft in the, the past. Float, the floating Bentley. <laughs> the floating Bentley with a, an extremely large cooler. And uh, I mean, I, I, we got pictures out there on social, I think, of of uh, of me casting from on top of that cooler, which is actually a fantastic. I mean, this thing is just so stupid stable. Um, mm. And so that's that's our 13 foot raft. And then we also have an 11 foot ultralight raft that we built out. Uh, same thing, same, same uh, high quality 1100 denier uh, PVC layers, right? So you got the, the base layer, you got a floor layer, you got a, a chafers layer. I mean, just ultra bulletproof um, rafts, uh, you know, they have drop stitch floors, which so if you think of like an inflatable paddle board, it's just like standing on, on a concrete floor. They're uh, a padded concrete floor, um, super stable. Uh, so we built that raft out, um, full raft, 11 foot raft, um, with aluminum rowing frame casting, uh, you know, lean bar, uh, on the front there, um, anchor system, bench seats, uh, or towers, you know, all that stuff. The whole package is 111 pounds. I mean, you and I have tossed it up on the, on the truck, uh, ladder rack twice now, uh, it's just a no-brainer, easy, uh, two and a half person 
um, uh, fishing setup. And so anyway, I say all that to say super fired up to have, um, max on inflatable boats as our title sponsor. Um, that's, that's, I mean, nothing, uh, nothing but excitement about, about that. So, uh, you'll hear us, uh, start announcing them a bunch. And, and of course, Creek Adventures, um, you know, TulsaFlyShop.com, uh, does sell, the Maxon inflatable boats, the rafts, everything from big 16 footers all the way down to uh, inflatable pontoon, uh, personal packable watercraft. So uh, check them out on, on TulsaFlyShop.com and super cool. So I was trying to think of a vehicular comparison for the new raft. You got to float it first, but I'm thinking like this is going to be like the Toyota Hilux of rafts. Dude, is that is that the superfly truck yeah this is like the toyota truck you cannot kill that's so that's like the foreign toyota truck that you can't actually buy in the u.s i think you can buy them now i was yeah. gonna go with dot i was gonna go with dotson like no dude, I, truck. I think your hilux is 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 awesome because you see them when you said when you said bulletproof there. when you said bulletproof uh-huh. like hilux Toyota Hilux. Dude, I Click think that's money. I I I'm I think we I think we say that over and over and over again because those trucks are I mean that's the that's the Tacoma of everywhere but the US that never dies. You see it in every I think it was before the Tacoma. Like you could what well, you remember the toy little two-door five speed Toyota everybody used to have with like the sideways seats in the back, you know? Yeah, a little jump seats in the cab. Yeah. yeah. What was that? That's the Hilux, right? Well, I don't think they called it a Hilux, but but they're like, you know, you, you see them you see them overseas like or in Mexico or wherever, jacked up, mm-hmm. big wheels. I mean, you see them in Afghanistan with like, you know, 50 cows on the back and then they get blown up by special forces. But uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, they're just freaking everywhere and they're indestructible. And uh, uh, dude, I love we'll that. confirm that we'll, we'll confirm that with Trevor. We'll see what he thinks about that. Will Trevor know about the Hilux? Oh yeah, Trevor's car, dude. Dude, I'm I'm digging that. I'm di- I'm digging that a lot. So, um, so dude, we um we had a little water, a little rain here here recently, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, so before I think we avoided a lot of it, like the brunt of it in our immediate area of Tulsa. But yeah, south of us and in the Illinois River watershed, um, we got hammered, man. I think uh, the fourth highest um, recorded level on the Illinois River. Um, what, was, what was the final height? Like 28? Or was it 27? Yeah, so it's forecasting at like 31 and a half, and I think it got near 29 foot when it crested. Which, which would have been right. over Chewy Bridge at 31 feet. That's crazy. Cause that is a tall bridge. Dude, it had, had to get, um, it had to get to the top of it. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it had to get like, at least like where you couldn't go under the bridge at 28 and a half. And it was uh, like that at Combs bridge. I did see that, you know, the USGS does have a float cam, um, that you can, you can look at a live feed of the river. Um, and it was just, I mean, debris, chocolate milk, trees i mean it, it looked like the water was at the bottom of the bridge it was it was pretty nuts dude it's uh, i'm looking at, at mesonet app right now and there were sections of eastern and northeastern oklahoma uh 
that in the last 30 days got 16.61 inches of rain. Wow. 16.61. And what happens, you, you get a couple inches, right? Like a heavy, heavy downfall, a couple inches over 24 hours, and now the ground's saturated. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of that is just nothing but runoff. And, you know, 10 Killer Lake is, is over 30 feet above normal right now. Um, they're finally, uh, two days ago, it switched to where there was more water exiting the dam with the tainter gates open and the, and the generation than there is coming in. Uh, I mean, so it's like just now went to less than 10,000 cubic feet per second of water going into the lake, um, you know, and call that Illinois river, call that Barron fork, you know, all of that area. But, um, the river itself as of Tuesday night at 8 PM, um, I think it, it got under eight feet today. Yeah. So it's a a 7.47 feet at the Chewy bridge gauge, uh, right now. And normal is about five foot. You know, I call normal at Chewy about four and a half. Uh, that's a lot of what will float in the, uh, the mid to late summers, four and a half, when you get down to four, you really start having to drag quite a bit, but, uh, um, you know, in that, in that area, but, uh, so, but, you know, at five and a half foot on the chewy gauge, it becomes a fast float, right? Like it, there's not a lot of movement there. Um, it gets a lot of, a lot of water moving pretty quick. So, um, uh, I think, you know, we, we have plans, uh, this weekend is the, uh, smallmouth rendezvous, uh, at the, uh, the first Baptist church in Tahlequah, both Friday and Saturday. And then we have plans to, uh, to hopefully fish with some, some fishy dudes, uh, Ryan Walker, Jeremy guest, and, and maybe a couple others on Sunday after the show. Um, but I do worry about the water still being up, uh, over the six foot mark and, uh, and probably a little stained. And uh, um, not being a gravel bar one to load or unload. Oh, no, I think we'll definitely be definitely be pushing the the raft off of sketchy, uh, um, you know, sketchy sections to uh, to launch it. But, um, you know, until they get those gravel bars built back or those public access points built back up. But, uh, um, you know, we got four wheel drive and we got a a, a high quality Maxon inflatable raft and uh, Mm -hmm. um, put it to the test. The, those that have seen me row, I can hit a few things. So uh, I'm not super stressed about that, but uh, I am stressed. I mean, it's going to be a lot of back rowing, trying to slow down and get a good presentation and, and fool a few fish. Uh, so it may be a tough day Sunday if we get out, but uh, uh, damn it, I'm ready to fish, man. So I think I think we ought to do that. What else have we been doing lately? Uh, man, like I said earlier, I've, I'm convinced I can only catch bluegill. Although I did catch a Kansas crappie the other day. Yes. Kansas for graduation um, and caught a crappie. Um, But I did the old uh, tomato plant, sorry, the old fish under the tomato plant trick and went out with the new moonlit two weight and um, felt like a bait fisherman, you know, keeping a couple of bluegill and, it was a uh, it was a good time. Hopefully, my tomato plants, my pepper plants, take off with a, a little bluegill uh, green sunfish action under them. You know, you you kind of commented to to our our group uh, uh, group text that you felt bad keeping 
you know, you can keep the seven or eight sunfish, if that, mm-hmm. in your bucket for for gardening. And it's like, you know, there's there's a point where, and we're going to get into this more when we get into uh, call it after November when when some of our bass laws change. But we as fly fishermen get a little elitist and catch and release and where you actually i think you felt a little bit of guilt keeping some mid-sized sunfish for gardening fertilizer food production natural fertilizer put them put them straight to the art i haven't kept a fish in a long time dude you know with that mentality you just described so it was just a little weird i hadn't done it in a long time I, mean, I think we need to check that though, right? I mean, well, we went out with the intention, what, two weeks ago to fish, ta- fish tacos, fish tacos, shoreside fish taco, white bass tacos. Yeah. Um, so we set our expectations high and I got skunked. I got skunked in the month of April. Did I say that on the last week's podcast? You no, did, and I called. I called BS, man. On on, there's no way you weren't going to uh, to slam with us that Saturday, and yeah, none of us, us, none of us slayed them. And it was a weird day where um, I actually didn't see many people on Facebook posting fish pics at all. But you know, mm-hmm. a cold front came in. We had a north wind, stupid sunny day, um, and man, we hit five or six different spots mm-hmm. and it wasn't that we weren't catching fish we just caught onesie twosies here onesie twosies there and like we we fooled ourselves into thinking oh well okay we got a couple here let's let these go and you know i'm not ready to catch them because we're not killing them yet but we don't put them on the right. screen yet and we'll we'll slam at this next spot and then we'll just we'll cook up some tacos and we would have had a really good lunch if we had kept, we had all, kept the fish all the fish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it was a stupid slow day. Um, and we got some, we got some awesome pictures. You got out with your, your fancy new, uh, uh, photography gear, your new yeah. camera. And, uh, um, it was, it was actually an awesome day. Um, and I ran, I ran out of, uh, ranch waters and cold beer, um, which was, which was fun, but we got saved by some Wagyu summer sausage though. Yeah. So listeners, if you, um, if you have had experience with Wagyu summer sausage, um, send us a message when we drop this episode announcement, send us a message on there. Let us know is Wagyu summer sausage always moist is it always like overly juicy and not like grease juicy but like just stupid juicy it was awesome it was awesome but yeah it was like a noticeable like am i being like getting hydrated by eating this you're, I mean, you're getting waterboarded while eating summer sausage which yeah oh, there's probably like 20 bad jokes in that one but um it, uh, it it was good. It saved the day, and then we we tore up some barbecue uh, in Spavina, Oklahoma, uh, with a cool dude that also fly fishes um, as the as the restaurant owner. So that was that was fun. Yeah, y'all talk- go check out y'all go check out Bradford's barbecue, man. That that's the spot. Yeah, there's it- gr- bacon, green chili, mac and cheese. Dude, and you and you end up getting the mac and cheese without the green chilies. You forgot to order them. I forgot to, I was distracted by the ribs. But you also <clears throat> ordered the last ribs he had. 
Mm-hmm. And so I got some, I got some tasty brisket. I mean, talk about like some really juicy brisket, but I had my heart set on ribs and, uh, is it Buck? Buck's the, the owner's name. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buck, uh, uh, we are about 20 minutes away from, from some more ribs coming off the smoker and I could have had the ribs, but, uh, but we had made a really long day at that point and, and needed to get home to, uh, to marital duties. But, uh, um, man, we, we worked our asses off that day. We did. And we got them kicked as well. We got, yeah. we got our butt kicked, but we caught a but few was- fish. We could have made some tacos. Uh, we didn't plan well or coordinate well. Um, Aaron found some, some kind of secret, uh, secret lakes going on. So we have mm-hmm. some, um, um, some well, both y'all got to see new water that day. So that was the coolest part. I learned y'all a ton to... of new water. Mm-hmm. You, uh, you guided us to some cool places and then we found some new stuff on top of that. And, um, I about broke my ankles and legs 24 times. I still, dude, I've still got a pretty decent scratch on my legs like two weeks later. I'm... I'm looking at a couple of bruises still on my feet. The the Tevas weren't the call for uh, for that spillway. Yeah, and admittedly, we we both brought uh, uh, wet waiting yeah, socks. Yeah, boots were in the boots. truck. Yeah, yeah, boots with cleats were in the truck, and uh, we still just tried to kill kill ourselves because we were being lazy, I guess. But uh, um, dude, that now that was a fun trip, man. That's and that's kind of I think I, I like sharing that with the listeners that. Uh, you know, you look at, at guides online or outfitters online or just people online in general, and um, we rarely talk about um, uh, getting skunked or a tough day or fishing or whatever. You know, it's mm-hmm. always the the grip and grins and the, you know, 22-inch smallmouths and the, oh, my God, we slayed them. We're the best people ever, blah, 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 blah. And, and it's, it's to me, it, it's not unlike the uh, Instagram models comparison to the normal average female right uh so this is this is the we are relating with the average dudes uh we think we're pretty daggone good at fly fishing and guess what it doesn't always come together and um mm-hmm. but it's a fun equation to try to put together and uh uh we I, I promise you we will tell you every time we do well and i promise you we will tell you every time we get our asses handed to us and uh um i mean that's just that's just real life right so Anyway, I had some whiskey, so if I'm rambling, I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. Gear Chris and Whiskey Chris in the same episode. Dude, it's a you got to make it a thing, man. So what, gotta, what else is going talk, on in the world? Well, we got to talk a little bit of crap about our buddy, you know, Mr. Aaron Fletcher, sending while we're podcasting and sending us oh. Alaska brookie picks. What an know? asshole. Right? What an ass. <clears throat> yeah. So he sent us these pictures. So Aaron has a um, a job that has taken him to uh, Juneau, Alaska. Is that right? Juneau area mm-hmm. in Alaska. Yes. And um, unfortunately for him, it's miserable out there. There's no fish to be caught. Um, no, that not at all the case, right? I mean, one one day he sends us these like awesome snow capped mountains. He's up there like helicopter ride to some distant site thing he's working on he might, he might be james bond you know you think he's got a little uh secret uh cia thing going on or something might be you know that's some pretty high level stuff he's got going on he might be james bond i think you ought to try to uh uh try to like sucker punch him next time we're together <laughs> and see, see if it connects or if he like pulls some uh crazy just thrown into an arm bar 
Yeah. I mean, if you die, I'm sorry for making that suggestion, yeah. but um, now, so, so, so the, they got the snowpack peaks, right. And just awesome, um, you know, skier paradise thing. And then the next picture is like some ridiculously crystal clear babbling Creek that, you know, is just chock full of chock full of fish. And he's, he's caught uh, brookies and cutthroat. And I mean, I'm sure I don't know this for a fact, but my assumption is, you know, native uh, wild trout in those areas. Mm -hmm. um, something about a Dolly Varden, which I didn't Google yet, but I guess that's a that's a species of trout in the area. Species of char. Species of char. OK. Yeah. It sounds awesome. Dolly Varden. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm arguing if that last picture is a brookie. Because it doesn't have the crazy side colors, but it does have the white on the uh, the front of the fins of each of the fins. It's got a little white section. So I mean, that is brook trout there. Um, if he says brookie, I say brookie. So um, regardless, he's in Alaska, and I'm in a six by six storage room. You know, yeah, with a can of dog food, recording a podcast. I'm, so I'm mad at him. I'm concerned about the handcuffs chained up on the wall behind you. Like, like, I'm not sure what this room you're, <laughs> this room you're in and what kind of party you got going there. But, uh, right. uh, listeners, if, if one day we don't hear from Dalton anymore, check that room. Cause there's, there's, uh, stuff going on there. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, Mr. Or Mrs. Wortham or any of Dalton's relatives that are listening that may be offended by that comment. So, Dude, why are you looking up behind you? Is, that, is, there, is there a I've legit a possibility? Helmets. I mean, I'm 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 trying to conceal what I got hidden in this room, but if he snuck snuck a peek, then I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. Dude, dude is legit. I mean, we're not on YouTube, but legit looking behind him just in case something is showing. So <laughs> that raises even more questions. <laughs> well, man, we've got. Um, Exciting weekend. You and I uh, are going to be at the Smallmouth Rendezvous um, this Friday, May 13th, and Saturday, May 14th uh, mm -hmm. in Tahlequah. At, uh, is it 201 Commercial Street? Some, something like that. First, First Baptist Church, Tahlequah. Yeah. And so that, I mean, that could be a really cool event. Um, you know, we saw a speakers list today. Um, uh, lots of cool speakers, everything from, um, uh, I'm looking at, sorry, I'm looking at my, my map history here to see if I give a real address, but it's first Baptist church in Tahlequah. Um, but every, everything from, um, GRDA to scientific studies on smallmouth. Uh, I'll be speaking on smallmouth gear and tactics, uh, 10 o'clock Saturday and 11 o'clock Sunday, uh, Ryan Walker from Smallmouth uh, Ozark Smallmouth Alliance, which which we heard from a couple episodes ago, is has a couple of different talks um, in the afternoons uh, about smallmouth. Um, there's a there's a one one speaker about fishing uh, fly fishing in Alaska, which I mean, why not, right? Um, right. And then we're gonna have um, I think you've said this before, but we're gonna have um, uh, a few tables set up with uh, everything from rods, lines, leaders, um, uh, tip rods, reels, line, leader, tippet, flies, 
um, a couple of apparel things. I think you're going to have some Tulsa, uh, Tulsa flag bass stickers, some of our hoodies out there. Last couple of hoodies we have out there. If you want to get your hands on one of those listeners, um, uh, just a few miscellaneous other things, uh, cool stuff. We're going to tie some flies while we're out there. Uh, and then we're going to have both rafts. We're going to have a 13 foot and 11 foot raft, uh, we're taking the oars, you know, not putting the oars on, let people crawl in and out of them, uh, ask questions, just get a feel for it. I mean, if somebody goes up and sits and if you take a nap in the raft, we're probably going to take it to move on. That's my spot. Yeah. That's, that's, if you, if, if D's in the raft, uh, taking a nap, then, you know, bug them if you want to, it's fine. Uh, look in the big cooler. Uh, it's a, it's a church, so it will not have anything crazy in the cooler. Um, so help me go bring the Perrier. Yeah. So help me God and amen and all of those things. Um, but anyway, so it's going to be, I'm, I'm pretty stoked, man. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to be some fishy dudes. It's, it's going to be a chock full of fishy dudes, young, old, in between, uh, fishy dudes who care about smallmouth. Uh, super excited. So and this is a long standing event. I mean, it's been an annual event for a long time and it's finally coming back, you know, um, I think it took a, a hiatus from COVID and, and I don't yeah. know any other reasons, but it, it, this is the first year it's been back in a minute. Well, they've, and they've just had, they've just had the two years off because of COVID, mm. but uh, yeah, I'd be curious. I don't, I don't know the history, but I mean, I, I think you're right. It's a, it's a 15, 20 year event or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, before that two years off for COVID. Um, and so big, big, uh, gymnasium auditorium section there. Yeah. This is, this is the 20th annual. So we missed it. It should be the 22nd, but it is the 20th annual. This is the two zero two decades, man. That's cool. I'm, I'm super that, that gives me even more pride to be involved in it, that we're going to do this upright. And, uh, so, so listeners come out and, uh, and visit us and, uh, just, man, just talk BS, uh, BS about five fly fishing. I'll have some demo rods. So if you want to cast a rod, um, uh, or a certain fly line, um, that, that'd be really, really cool. Um, happy to, you know, let you just tell me, take it outside and cast it in their grass. Um, I think to the Northeast there of the, of the gymnasium, there's a big, uh, grass field. So, I mean, go cast it and have fun and see if you like it and, or talk, you know, BS about some fly fishing, learn from the speakers. And, uh, I think there'll be a lot of fly tires there, which, uh, all, all super cool. And then we think we're going to go try and get out Sunday if it makes sense. And then uh, I'm going to try and steal you away the following weekend or whoever we can to get a little fishing there. Um, and, you know, just, I mean, we're in the summer, man. We're, we're there. Mm-hmm. It's like 1,014% uh, humidity right now outside. Ooh. Dude, it's, it's ugly outside right now. It's like trying to breathe with a wet rag on your face. Dude, it's, it, this is waterboarding training, right? <laughs> May is for waterboarding training because uh, it's it's uh, it's a little funky outside. And I really hope Lots we don't have waterboarding any. references in this podcast. Did we make another one? There's been a few waterboarding, yeah. moist, wagyu, handcuffs. I'm sad. I'm sad. <laughs> Trevor's not here for this content. This one got weird. This one got. Weird. <laughs> well, dude, what else? What else are we talking about tonight, man? I feel like I've left out some topics without rambling. Trevor does say he needs his Zoom back. Oh, he's got to go do his deal. All right. So, yeah. listeners, um, real quick, let's run down the thing. We're going to knock off this deal. Um, Trevor's got to teach some some youths 
um you you two youths do you guys remember that reference anybody anybody off do you remember that nope. reference nope what's the uh the short guy comedian he was in new york had the had the hot melissa tomei or whatever anyway he was trying to say you two youths youths like young people but he said you two youths anyway okay whatever moving on okay so the Creek Adventures podcast uh, is proudly sponsored by our title sponsor, Maxon Inflatable Boats. Um, Maxon Inflatable Boats been around for 25 years, uh, made boats for themselves, made boats, OEM boats for other people. Um, I'm going to get this, this down better, this announcement better, but super excited to have them as title sponsor. Uh, as always, super excited to uh, have Lone Bison as a sponsor. Uh, functional art, quality Badass tables. Premium quality functional art. Premium quality functional art. Badass tables. Uh, Lone Bison fly tying tables. Check them out. LoneBisonFlyTables.com. And uh, last reminder, we are proud supporters of the Oklahoma River Warriors Initiative. Uh, check them out. Oklahoma River Warriors. Oklahoma River Warriors on Facebook. Join that group. Uh, make sure you're following them for announcements of cleanup activities and do your part on the water. If you take an empty net, come back with trash, man. Uh, D-Dub, love you, man. Good talking to you. Listeners, thanks for listening to the podcast and we'll talk at you soon. See you guys.